0: The following is a podcast one Minnesota production. Pabst Blue Ribbon, always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PBR Me ASAP. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. Oh, king, this is another edition of 1500 oh, my ESPN's my Purple Podcast. Do you, time you think time Peterson time makes sense time time with the New England Patriots if LeGarrette Blunt gets a contract that that uh, the Patriots don't feel like matching?
1: I do, yeah. I, I think that he isn't going to have any other option than to become somewhat of a role player. And if he's going to fill the shoes of LeGarrette Blunt, and you tell Adrian Peterson, you'll get 299 carries. I think he's not going to care whether those carries come in the first quarter, the fourth quarter, whether it's tied, whether Tom Brady's the centerpiece or he's the centerpiece. He wants his carries. He wants his yards. Did you see how many touchdowns LeGarrette Blunt had last year? You don't think Adrian Peterson would sign up for 18 touchdowns if given the chance to run the ball uh, at the goal line. Odd how the Patriots know to run the ball at the goal line, but anyone who's playing them doesn't. But anyway, uh, I think Peterson would welcome that opportunity, even if it came for uh, less than maybe some other teams were willing to give him. And they only paid LeGarrette Blunt $1 million last year. So the Patriots are not going to be handing out a lot to Adrian Peterson if they want to bring him in.
2: So I I think the question becomes this. If you're Belichick, does that move make sense? And to me, the, the answer is absolutely not. Peterson's Peterson's diminishing skills at 32, if I'm Belichick, and the Patriots do not fit my team.
1: The fumbles would be bothersome if I'm Belichick because we know how insane he is about turnovers and things like that. But I think for the role and with the offensive line that they have, I mean, last year they had one of the best offensive lines in the league. It was really an incredible turnaround from the year before. I think with that, that Peterson still has enough to be an average running back in the league. I mean, you're taking a guy who once had all-time great skills and aging him and with injuries and everything else, so now you probably have somebody that's average or a little below average but can still get the job done. And he's still huge and powerful. I mean, this was the thing about uh, last year with Jarek McKinnon and even Matt Asiata is that if McKinnon got hit in the backfield, which he did often— He couldn't rip through tackles like Adrian Peterson can. And even if Peterson doesn't have that same explosiveness that's going to be the difference between a 5-yard run and a 50-yard run, he can still break some tackles and he could still pound up the middle with his strength. You're not going to find too many running backs in the league with that kind of strength still, even at his age. Uh, you guys saw the video and so forth of, of him lifting. So he, I mean, so he's still a freak athlete in that way. So if if I'm the Patriots and I need to fill that role and I need to do it cheap, I think I would say to Adrian Peterson, all right, you're going to get a lot of carries with two tight ends and you're going to get a lot of the, of the goal line. You're not going to be the main part of the offense because <clears throat> Brady. And you're going to spend a lot of time on the bench, too, because of Deion uh, Lewis and... Yeah. Um, James White, James White, yeah, the, those guys are going to be featured as well. So you're not going to be in for 90 percent of plays. It's going to be more like 50 percent of plays. But I still think that for Peterson, that'd be a huge win just for his role. Now, Matthew
0: Collar, you've and you covered the ASU, covered the Buffalo Bills for multiple years uh, at WGR in Buffalo. So you've you've watched film for years in the NFL. You've seen the evolution of of passing games and and running back values. My question to you is. What is the value of a running back in in terms of helping a team win win a game in the NFL in 2017? I think I think much more often in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, it seemed like running the ball was uh, directly correlated with taking a lead or winning a game. Now it almost feels like running the ball is preservation of a lead. Not to say that running backs are irrelevant in the lead building. Uh, in the lead-building category. But how how would you view the value of running backs in today's NFL?
1: That's exactly the way that I would put it, is that you can't have a running back be the complete centerpiece of your offense if it's just when it comes to running. But you look at how often running backs are used uh, in terms of the passing game and the all-around yards-from-scrimmage game. I think it was, I looked at this stat the other day, eight out of the ten leaders in yards from scrimmage were running backs last year, and then two other ones were wide receivers. You can use them in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. Now... Some teams have done it differently. Some teams have split them up into very specified roles. Some teams have LaShawn McCoy or Le'Veon Bell, who they could play 90% of plays and they could do it all. They could pass protect. They can uh, come out of the backfield and catch passes. They can run from the shotgun, which is a thing that Adrian Peterson cannot do. Um, But uh, other teams, like the Patriots, have split it up into very specific roles. LeGarrette Blunt, I think, caught seven passes last year. Eddie Lacy is another one that is only in when he's going to pound it up the middle and then they use him for play action purposes, throw in a couple of tight ends, run a play action. Of course, the Patriots had Martellus Bennett and Rob Gronkowski at a time until Gronkowski got hurt. So you can have two tight end sets, which look like run sets and run play action with two tight ends who could run 20 yards down the field. Oh, and the best quarterback of all time. It's pretty hard to stop as an offense. Uh, But then they had James White, who caught 60 passes and barely ran the ball at all. He was just a wide receiver out of the backfield. So if the Patriots stick with that, then there aren't that many guys who do the Adrian Peterson or Eddie Lacy role anymore. It's almost like he would have specific value to a team that does that because there aren't that many guys who can just pound and pound and pound. Most of them are not built that way anymore.
2: And I, I just think if if the Patriots sit him down and say, this is your role, I don't see him saying yes. I see him, I think he's still so focused on himself, and he's still so focused on, on the fact that in his mind, right or wrong, 2017 to him is going to be about proving the Vikings wrong. So
0: here's where I, I, here's where I side with Collar on this. At the end of the day, LeGarrette Blunt ran the ball 300 times for over 1,100 yards. Now, he was three and a half yards in a cloud of dust. They used him a lot and his yards per carry was down because they gave him the ball a lot inside the five-yard line where he didn't have a chance to get five yards on a carry. So those numbers might be a little bit skewed just based on his role. If at the end of the day you go to Peterson and the Patriots have genuine interest and there's mutual interest, and you say, all right, you're not going to be the reason why we take a 21-10 to 10 lead, but you're going to get 270 to 310 carries if you're healthy, somewhere in there, you're going to get a lot of touchdowns. So you might not run for 2,000. But you're going to get 1000 and you're going to get double-digit touchdowns and maybe even flirt with 15 or 20 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Add those numbers to your legacy. Maybe add a ring to your legacy. You're not going to get paid $10 million like you like you originally all, wanted to. All of you which, could appeal to his ego in that all way. All
2: of which makes perfect sense, but I'm telling you, when when you've seen this guy enough, you know his thought process is going to be, no, I can go somewhere where I'm still the man, a star. He's
0: scoring 18 that touchdowns, that goes through you could, his mind. You, if he scored 18 touchdowns, he could probably convince himself that he's still... But the, but
2: the 50-50 thing, the thing that you're not going to be, the, the guy you are going... The He needs, in his mind, his whole career is built on his famine, famine feast, which is I'm going to score touchdowns, and a lot of them are going to be from 53 yards. And so if you give him a role of, hey, when, when we get on the goal line, you're the closer, that makes perfect sense to me, and most people, I'm telling you, going through his mind, I think, is still, you're taking away what I'm great at. He doesn't understand that he's lost that gear. That's the most important thing. He doesn't understand. In his mind, he still has that gear. He's It's slowed down quite a bit. He doesn't get that. He still sees himself, I think, as being 28 years old. He still sees himself as that viable star type of guy, and I also don't think... As as Collar's been talking about, he understands that the league has really changed. His weakness used to be a problem. Now it's a complete detriment. It's a complete detriment.
1: It's only a detriment if he plays on a team that needs him to do more than what LeGarrette Blunt did last year. Mm Mm-hmm. It would only be a detriment if he was trying to play for the Minnesota Vikings, really. Mm -hmm. A team who wants to play out of the shotgun 90% of the time. You look at uh, Sam Bradford's splits for how often he threw out of the shotgun. It was the majority of his throws were coming out of the shotgun. And Peterson is inept when it comes to being back there. So he would only hurt an offense that was doing that. If you look at what the Patriots did when they were running uh, LeGarrette Blunt, sometimes it was out of the shotgun to throw off the other team. Most of the time it was line him up in, you know, two tight end sets, even three tight end sets at times and just pound him up the middle. So I think that it could succeed in that way. Also with Peterson. Now, I don't know him. I didn't cover him as well uh, or as long as you did, Judd, this year. I covered him for a couple weeks, and then he was just gone (laughs) rehabbing, and then just at the end of the season. So you covered him longer than me. But I would think that if I'm Adrian Peterson and I get to this age and I look at my legacy and I go, I am one of the all-time greatest, I have all the numbers that put me up there, I am walking into the Hall of Fame I am missing one thing, and that is the Super Bowl ring. If I'm in his group that is influential to his thinking, I would be saying to them, though You're missing that's one the problem. Right. Yeah. they yes, men. You're great. You're great. You're great. So I, I think you're the Patriots right. is a perfect what, situation for
0: him. I, I I'm siding with Kyler on that.
2: What you guys are saying, I'm telling you, makes perfect sense. I'm tell I'm telling you what I think his thought process is. I think you you two are right. And and if Adrian had a strong enough support group around him to sit him down and say, Listen, dude, you're about to turn thirty two So
0: wait a second, wait a second. So you really think if the Patriots came to him with an equal market offer to whatever else is out there. No, let's, I, let's say teams are offering him 2 or $3 million, and the Patriots even offer him 2 or $3 million, mm-hmm. that he would rather play somewhere else other than New England.
2: If somebody comes to him, if if the Patriots sit him down and are honest about his role, and the Buccaneers come to him and say, you're going to be a huge part of our offense, he's going to take Tampa Bay.
0: I disagree. That, that's what I think. I think that first of all, we all agree that that would be ridiculous, right? Yes. That yeah. Ri- I'm
2: not. No. I'm telling you what I think he would do, not what I think he should do. I think he would sign with the Patriots.
0: I think if the Patriots and the Buccaneers offered him the same amount of money, at the end of the day, three hundred carries for over a thousand yards and a bunch of touchdowns and maybe a ring, that helps you in every conceivable category when His, you're trying to boost up your legacy. I'm telling you right now,
2: if it was those two teams in play. His camp would take Tampa, and one one reason why, Florida, no state income taxes. Well,
1: I'm, yeah, te- I'm telling you, all these things will play I, a role with this if guy. If you believe the report from the Boston Herald, then he doesn't think that money is as important in this decision. That's the report from someone close to Peterson, which could be a number of people. Yeah. but that's out there that he's saying, look, I've made $97 million in my career. I invest in DJ Ski Radio. I am good, right? We should all so, be investing uh, in we, DJ Ski Radio, we, really. I, I like ski I I don't think we're big enough <laughs> players. Judd and so Ski, uh, they DM back and forth. On the I, don't regular I, ski. Yeah, I don't think we make enough to invest in <laughs> DJ Ski. But if if you believe <laughs> I mean, that report, then he's looking to win. And I think that's the situation where he can get the most carries, the best stats, and a win, and the other thing is too. Um, it, at the end of the year, in his press conference, he name dropped Tom Brady as a player that's like in his echelon. Which I mean, if you just think about that, it's kind of funny. But like that might be saying to him, "Yes, I I belong with someone like Tom Brady. Not I have to be the only guy, but I deserve to be uh, the sidecar with another great player, and maybe they could play to his ego." And make that work. I but if I'm the Patriots, I wouldn't bother because of the fumble issues. I also don't think that he's the same as LaGarrett Blunt. I think LeGarrett Blunt is the worst case scenario, he gets two yards because he just runs forward and is massive. Sure. I think Peterson will look for home runs, which could result in negative runs, which would drive Bill Belichick crazy.
0: Yes, there would be there would be some oil and water, for sure. Let's come back here. Matthew Collar hanging out with us from the Purple Podcast and 1500ESPN.com. He was at the Combine last week, and if, if you've been following the Vikings the last 20 years, you know that they've oftentimes taken advantage of... Maybe some uh, college star with baggage or draft stock falls in some form, Percy Harvin, Randy Moss, even Adrian Peterson with the collarbone. There might be another one falling maybe to the second round that we need to talk more about, and also a price tag. We have a number on Cordero Patterson, perhaps, what it might take to keep him. All of those things ahead, Mackie and Judd. Hey, guys, it's Phil Mackey from 1500 ESPN and one of the hosts of Sports Over Beers, the original 1500ESPN.com podcast, where you find your favorite 1500 ESPN personalities drinking beer and talking sports. Pretty simple. Find it on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500ESPN.com. Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Pabst Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pabst Blue Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me, ASAP.
1: Way, way, and this portion of Mackie and Judd is brought to you by Minnesota United FC. Minnesota.
2: I want to mock.
1: Mock.
0: I want to mock. Oh, here oh, we go, have baby. you never heard that? That's Collins? right. That's a great. Is this your uh, first time mocking with us, Matthew? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Oh, this it is. is very you exciting. You could
2: tell he hadn't heard the song before. This is
0: great, yeah. Well, it's you know the the Vikings not having a first round pick has sort of killed our buzz on this. We'd it be has. we'd be doing about nine of these every single day. So we have in our possession. Thank you to Twitter follower for sending this. Al Al, Al came through. Huge. Al sent this over from BleacherReport.com. Not a one round mock. Not a two. Not three, as LeBron would say. Not four, as Dwayne Wade would say. Not five. We have a seven-round mock draft. Yes, somebody, was it Matt Miller, who took the time to go through? Yeah, yes. Probably hasn't slept in about eight weeks. Just making up names by the seventh round. Instead of giving you all 200-plus picks, we're just going to give you the Vikings. Okay, Unless people want all 200. We can spend two hours doing this. Um, According to BleachReport.com, Second round, Minnesota Vikings with their first pick in the 2017 draft will select offensive guard Dan Feeney from Indiana. That's right. The most boring position in football <laughs> on one of the most boring Power Five schools. That would be one of the most boring picks in Vikings history, but much needed. They need offensive linemen. And then we get to the third round. Center Ethan, is it Posich from LSU? <laughs> Sounds and, good. And running back Brian Hill from Wyoming. Matthew Collar, have you heard of any of these guys so far? Uh,
1: Brian Hill, yes. Okay. Brian Hill is like a grounded pound type guy. He is not one of the quicker 40-yard dashes, but is a thrashing, hefty runner. Can he Can he block
0: on third down or catch a pass by chance?
1: Uh, that I don't know. I don't know about the blocking. I'm sorry I didn't watch that many Wyoming games. <laughs> well... Can you go back get and study the film now to give us a good idea? If
0: there is any film, yeah, good point. Fourth round offensive tackle Taylor uh, is it Moten from Western Michigan? Yes, Row yes. the boat, baby. Uh-huh. And then the other pick in the fourth round,
1: fourth round Western Michigan lineman doesn't sound like a good idea, right? <laughs> Willie Beavers. <laughs> uh, then
0: defensive lineman with the other fourth round pick, Vincent Taylor from Oklahoma State. I'm assuming that's a defensive interior defensive lineman. And then we get to uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds where the Vikings will take, according to Bleacher Report, safety Monte. Nicholson from Michigan State, wide receiver, Jerome, is it Lamb? I can't read my, oh, Lane. I can't read my writing from Akron. That's something. And seventh round pick, safety, Jonathan Ford from Auburn. I want to mock. Mock. I want to (laughs) mock. Mock. This would would seem like an ideal strategy, load up on offensive linemen and a running back with your first three picks, uh, first four picks and then go with BPA, I guess. But, but of course, this goes against what Matthew Collar
2: wants to do now with that second-round
1: pick. Yes, I think that the second-round pick should be a running back because there are some star-level running backs that will get to the second round. I mean, if you look at most of the mock drafts from the people who are trustworthy with their mocking, which would be your Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay, usually they get it right what round the guys are in, or they're, like, in that ballpark. I know some people are like, oh, they didn't get that the Jaguars were going to pick a tight end at 23. Yeah, right. But they, they give you a, an idea, of a snapshot of where these people are sort of slotted uh, with the teams. So with what Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, what they have is three running backs going in the first round. And you've got your Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette. Why am I blanking on the other one? But there's about three or four more running backs who could be like star level players who are dual threats, who have very good histories in college that I think with that second round pick, you can get a star player. But if you take a guard, you're just hoping that guy's even an NFL player. Like there's a really intriguing guard who played a lot of tackle in college forest lamp. And of course, when he ran the 40, it was Run, Forrest, right? Wow. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, wow. That's even bad for uh, for me. But anyway. Wow. Um, So Forrest Lamp is like an intriguing player because he could be a second rounder and he's got a chance to be halfway decent. But you're talking about just hoping that guy ends up being able to play as opposed to the running back where almost all of them that should be available when the Vikings pick – or this guy can start as soon as you put him in and has a chance to be a star player?
0: Two-part question. First part, uh, just a, a quick answer. And then the second part is more of a loaded question. Is is it, is it possible Joe Mixon is still there in the second round when the Vikings draft? Very. Okay. Yes. So here's the loaded question for you guys. And I, I, I would never want to be friends with a Joe Mixon. I would never, never want to be coworkers with a Joe Mixon. I think if you're capable of doing what he did on camera or off camera, if you're capable of striking a female in the manner that he did, I don't want to be friends with you. I don't want to give you, like, if you were my friend and I found out that that's who you were, it's beyond giving you a second chance as a friend. The question here is, in the context of the NFL and the fact that he is an NFL-caliber player who's looking for a second chance at employment here, or first chance, but second chance among uh, you know the people who judge him, do domestic abusers like a Joe Mixon deserve a second opportunity if you were a gm of a football team would you take a flyer on him knowing that there would be justifiable backlash among fans and media
1: I think this is the hardest decision a front office has to make because with Joe Mixon's case, uh, he's got a background over the last couple of years of keeping his nose clean and being a good teammate and being in the community and all those things that he's tried to do, but there is nothing that can erase that, and there's nothing that can erase that video. Now, there were two guys who are relative stars in the league, Tyreek Hill and Frank Clark, who were drafted last year, who have very similar issues. And locally, it was probably reported on. Most people probably saw Tyreek Hill play last year and had no idea that that was a thing. But it was a very similar incident. And I think it might have even been a pregnant girl that he hit. So that's even worse, right? Not that there's levels to these sort of things. but So with Joe Mixon, but having the video means that when you draft that player you are going to have that video played everywhere. It's going to be on ESPN. It's going to be on local news. It's going to be a huge story because of the video, which means that you are alienating a lot of your fans if you do that, that a lot of people sitting in those stands will know that you signed off on bringing in a guy who was capable of punching a woman in the face and breaking her jaw. And, yeah, I would agree if someone said, you know, Second chances, and the guy deserves to make a living with his talent. I felt that way about Michael Vick. There were some people that never wanted to see him in the league, and I thought, well, he paid his time, and what is he supposed to do, right? Go work at wherever, right? A A gas station or something. I thought, well, he deserves to be in the league because he can play. But that doesn't mean that your team needs to be the one that brings him in. I think it's a very difficult decision from a football standpoint, Like if this was pot or something else, I would be screaming to draft him because he is the most talented running back in the draft in terms of an all-around player. He is a star-level player. He can catch passes. He he, he can do anything. He averaged fourteen and a half yards a catch Hmm. and almost seven yards a run. I mean, that's how good he is. So from that standpoint, you might be saying. Well, could you sell it to your fan base or could you sell it to ownership too? Could you get them to sign off on it because you know that it is going to be a really bad look? And the only way, to me, the only way you could do it is make him the face of stopping domestic violence going forward. Don't, you can't ignore it because even if people don't burn their Vikings jerseys when you do it, I think it does, I think it does damage to your fan base when you, when you draft someone like that. You, Kind of say we don't really care about the type of people that play for us.
2: I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, partially because also of the position he plays. Partially because the draft is deep at that spot. Yes, I agree. Uh, but if I'm the Wilfs, there is no way when I when when I've been through the the Peterson situation, I just got a stadium built. I cannot bring that tape—that It was, that tape is strike one, strike two, strike three. I mean, he... and, and he'll get a chance, and that's fine, but I cannot be, be the team to give him the chance. And the problem is this. If you take him in the second round, there's no second chance here. So if he comes here and, and God forbid, does this again or something close, that's it. So now, now you've taken a second-round flyer on a guy, he screws up again, and you can't keep him. So given all of those things, if I run this team, I tell my football people, you can't touch well, it, that guy. It, you it, just can't do it. Yeah,
0: it is you okay. know, Too much. It's in a different, it's it's such a weird professional setting. You know, I don't think I would ever hire, if I knew that somebody was capable of doing that and I just ran and I was a manager at an office with cubicles, like I would, I wouldn't want that person co at the water cooler. I just, I, I, don't, I think it's poisonous. Football is such a different work environment mm-hmm. and as a general manager, you take heat in two ways. You take heat if you draft him because he's awesome at football. You take heat, again, justifiably so, because are you enabling this type of behavior? Are you shining a spotlight on a bad person? Right. And But then there's the other thing. Like, maybe maybe because he's at least a couple years older, two or three years older, maybe he's evolved. So you take heat for that, but you also get fired If your team can't score points and you didn't draft what might be the next Le'Veon Bell, like fans will will have you fired and media will have you fired.
2: The Peterson situation to me, though, gave you a glimpse and that was uh, incredibly poorly handled for a few days and then they got it right. But that gave you a glimpse. I don't want that again. I don't need that. I don't. There's no there's no player really that's worth that. I mean, if this was plugging players in and we didn't care about them as people or personalities, that's fine. But you got a glimpse if you're the, this team as far as sponsors dropping you, as far as public backlash, you got if the second you bring Joe Mixon here and hold the press conference and every outlet is doing what? They're showing that tape. That is an awful, awful thing.
0: Yeah, we can we can finalize our thoughts on this, and also get to a couple other. If, if if eleven o'clock rolls around here, and you got the phone in your hand, eleven o'clock is when you can start to tamper. Who do you call? Which who's the first free agent you call? And how much might it cost to get Cordell Patterson back? Mackie and Judd with Matthew Collar. Mackie and
1: Judd are back. Just like you asked on fifteen hundred ESPN. It's almost time for 1500 ESPN's Bracket Challenge. Once again, your chance to win some great prizes from TCL TV's Patio Town Nutmeg Brewhouse and more. Keep an eye on 1500ESPN.com for all the details coming soon
0: hour and 10 minutes until you can tamper without penalty baby you can pick up the phone you can welcome can you you can meet face to face right you can have no i think it's only phone calls oh so no until visits Thursday, i don't think you can no visit conjugal until, with no conjugal visits
2: no 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 just just flirting
0: but on thursday you can have conjugal visits your wife will
2: never know <laughs>
0: You're opposing your yeah. former team. Will never know. Maybe I, yes. I was just posting yes. something on the website,
1: and I kind of tuned back in. It. Your wife will never know. So I, maybe we'll uh, just we're we're talking, just talking about we're you. talking Don't about worry. what's going what? to,
2: to uh, take place starting this morning when teams call because you can't go see them, but you can start to plan your affair. Okay. At this see. Point. Okay.
0: So who's the who's the first free agent that you would send a salacious text message to at <laughs> eleven o'clock?
1: Uh, Andrew Whitworth, the left tackle from the Cincinnati Bengals, is. Maybe the best player in free agency, not just the yes. best
0: offensive tackle. Andrew, we would love to see your man boobs in a purple jersey. Uh, it is, now, you're, now you're going too far. Is that weird? Uh, it's, it's a little weird.
1: Uh, he probably then blocks your number immediately <laughs> if you do that. But,
0: uh, I, I f- probably shouldn't be the one in charge of texting these free agents. <laughs> yeah.
1: That would be yeah. the first text Nine that I would blocks. send. Would It would just be a picture of uh, the Breaking Bad block of money yeah. you, you know that they had in the storage mm-hmm. locker. Or With whatever. just that hay. Would be, yeah. Hi. (laughs) All yours. (laughs) Want this? Come to your prayers. This this can be yours. This Uh, right here. Yeah, maybe with like a $15 million sign or something. But Whitworth would be really game-changing for this team. I think right now, with all the different options at 1500ESPN.com, I laid out a bunch of different options to fix the offensive line. But with him, adding a left tackle who is elite in the league would be so massively different from what they had last year that he is worth, even with taking a little bit of a risk with his age, though still playing at an extremely high level, and even though you would have to send a Brinks truck to his house, it would be worth it for how much of a game-changer he is. I think that the Bengals probably end up keeping him, though, because he spent his entire career there, yeah. and it sounds like they are willing to let their very good and young guard, Kevin Zeitler, go to keep Whitworth. Again, that's how good he is, that they're letting a 26-year-old talented guard who's going to make $10 bucks. he's that good, go so they can keep a 35-year-old left tackle. But if the Vikings have any chance at him, they need to send all the texts that they can come up with.
2: Twitter is great on a day like this, certainly. And, uh, and we've already started to see what might be taking place, taking shape here, including with current Vikings players. Give us the one that you saw about uh, Cordell Patterson, Matthew yes. Collar.
1: Alex Marvez reporting that the Chicago Bears have reported interest in Cordell Patterson. And Charles Robinson... Such a Bears move. It is very yeah. Bearsy, And And uh, Charles... Ro- well, they haven't had a quarterback who could do anything other than throw a screen since ever. Well, there's that so. and <laughs> the fact
0: that Devin Hester is really their most notable offensive weapon, even though he was mostly a kick-and-punt returner in the last 20 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. So you might as well try and rekindle the... The uh, punt returner, kick returner, flame.
1: Yeah, well, I I mean, if they're in flux at the quarterback position, Cordero Patterson could actually really help. Mike
2: Lennon is the big name
0: out there. Okay, why? Why help? Because they're
2: because they're the Bears. But like, no, no, it makes
0: it makes no sense. They're the Bears. He looks like that weird redheaded creepy guy from the Birds. I can't help you. (laughs) I can't help you when it comes to matters of the Bears.
1: He's essentially a Brock Osweiler, but (laughs) but. Yep. He can really throw the ball down the field, which the, is the thing have, you, that makes him The intriguing. first part of
0: that sentence renders everything else irrelevant, though. Yeah,
1: he's like a guy that started a few games and showed some potential, and teams are willing to take that shot because they have no other option. And, and if it's me, I would much rather just draft a quarterback and throw him in there, and then if we lose fifteen games, that's fine. But they have, yeah. but but John Fox is their head coach. So it's kind of like they've got a coach that you would try to win with right now. Mm-hmm. John Fox is not like your rebuild head coach that you're starting from scratch and going all the way up with. So maybe they think, well, all right, with John Fox, we've got a lot of. They have a ton of money to spend in free agency. We can fix our defense by signing a bunch of players, get another wide receiver in here, and then Glennon. Maybe he's got something else there because he is a big guy with a big giant arm. But,
0: but here's what's absurd about the the court the the current quarterback market. There's there's no middle class, and that's been evident the last couple of years. There's nobody making between six and seventeen million dollars in the NFL. So Brock Osweiler last year has no track record. He came in for five minutes for Peyton Manning for like for literally like five games <laughs> and looked decidedly average and was propped up by the best defense in the NFL, a great running game at the time. And instead of getting like how about nine million dollars a year? Nope, twenty or twenty three or whatever it was. The number I saw yesterday on Mike Glennon was between 15 and 19 million Mm dollars.
1: Why? Like,
0: why can't he make seven? Let's test the waters with nope, it's got to be all in 20 million franchise quarterback and a bunch of guaranteed in the first two or three years. That's I, I so think stupid.
1: That teams talk themselves into some of these guys. I, Glennon was not horrendous in the time that he started, which I know. And he right? just started right. down the very dangerous yeah. path. Yes. He, he wasn't awful. He's sort of like Brock Osweiler, and he wasn't horrendous. Yeah. Here's $20 million. Yes. I mean, he's, yes. not, he's not going to kill you completely, so. I'm yeah. not saying that I would do it. I'm saying that this no, is I know. what happened. In the minds of teams. And they're panicked. They look at the tape and they go, man, did make some really good throws. Maybe if we just X, Y, and Z, then we can win 10 games and all keep our jobs. It looks like the guy from
0: Pete and Pete. Yeah. I mean,
1: if you're the Texans.
2: It's a a constant state of hyperventilation, though. It is. It's these teams all go into this just blind panic about, we got to find one, we got to find one, we got to find one. Well, guess what? Christian Ponder's never going to be that guy.
1: Uh, Real quick, real quick. Mike Garoffolo says he's an NFL Network reporter, says Ricky Wagner is going to blow the lid off the right tackle market. <laughs> says the Vikings are a possibility. <laughs> Which could mean normally right tackles don't make $10 million plus. He could make $10 million the plus. The Vikings should, right.
0: pay, should pay an offensive tackle $10 million plus. They've got plenty of cap room. Matthew Collar, find all of his work and speculation and everything you need to know about Vikings free agency on 1500ESPN.com and the Purple Podcast. We had a classic Wolves situation last night. When Disney on ice, the ice melts and causes you to cancel a game. So our pecking order will be classic Wolves-themed when we come back.